Welcome to the Hinterland Baptist Unplug and Reset Podcast, a podcast all about helping you achieve change and personal growth through our Reset Challenge. The goal? To help you pull the plug on stress, insecurity and depression and replenish you spiritually, mentally, socially and physically. And now your host, Pastor Chris Miller. Uh, welcome, Reese, man. I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. I really do. Um, we kind of, yeah, we kind of met through a mutual acquaintance. Um, we had a little bit of confusion, but we, we finally ended up getting connected. So that's cool. We got that. We got that. <laughs> yeah, it took a little bit. Um, so yeah, man, um, why don't you tell us who are you and what do you do? Uh, as you know, my name's Reese. I, um, I'm a counselor, uh, specifically I'm a Christian counselor. So I, uh, am and advertise specifically as a Christian therapist, which means that I uh, follow an integrative approach, which means I work uh, from an understanding that the Bible is kind of our core belief system, our fundamental uh, forming block. And then on top of that, we can integrate psychotherapeutic thought and find ways to help people deal with any number of problems. Um, I currently work with uh, a lot of couples. Uh, I do a lot of anxiety work, a lot of self-development kind of have my hand in a lot of different places, um, just trying to meet need where people see it uh, and have been finding it uh, to be a really wonderful journey over the last couple of years. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. Um, I was, it's interesting because uh, I was talking to our friend about you and then she gave me your contact deals and then I, I looked at your name and I was like, I, I'd actually been digging around on the internet a couple of nights before that and I'd been on your website but oh, I didn't wow. actually, I didn't make the connection. So yeah, it's a cool website. Uh, what's the web address for it? Uh, it's www.solidhopebc.com. Cool. Yeah. So are you, so you go. Yeah. Are, are you currently taking on any clients, new clients or are you um, fool up or are you looking for clients? I'm still, or? still taking on new clients. I actually just had the, the absolute pleasure. Um, yeah. Last night of sitting with a client and her realizing that, uh, our journey over the past year and a bit had become gone from something quite regular to she's like, I don't know when I'll next be in because I'm feeling pretty capable. Awesome. Um, it's a beautiful thing to always see when, when somebody realizes that um, they don't need to be in this kind of environment very long anymore. Um, so she'll still stop in from time to time, but it's more she feels like she's got the tools. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely still taking on new clients. Yeah, cool. So, I, yeah, I guess that's a goal you're constantly working towards as a counselor, isn't it? To the point where your clients are like, "Okay, I'm I'm good. I don't really need this anymore." Absolutely. Um, yeah. it's, it's 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 helping them realize that counseling is just another tool in the toolkit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's a safe place where they can process, uh, where we can talk about God, we can talk about life. They can they can really just think things through and have somebody help um, by pointing out different perspectives, giving them different tools, or even just challenging them on some of their own incongruencies so they can figure out what it is that they're trying to get to. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, I, was, I was just thinking, now, I think we're, I could just about throw a rock and hit your house, I think. I mean, yeah, I, I can't throw that far, but. <laughs> Give it a go. We're almost, yeah, we're almost neighbors, eh? You're yeah. in Tally, is that right? Just, just shy of it. So just on this side of the Warongri Talai border. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, Not you, know where, you know where our church is at. I'm sure that yeah. it's pretty prominent there just off the motorway. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll see you up on the hill all the time. 
Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's great to meet you. Um, I'm kind of hoping what we might be able to do today is, I think I told you a little bit in a text message what we're doing for the month of January. We're taking, um, encouraging our people, our volunteers to concentrate on health and well-being. You know, self-care, sometimes that self-care term, you know, gets hashtagged weird and stuff like that. So people have kind of a strange view of it, but really just learning to take care, better care of ourselves. And each week through the month, we're focusing on a different area of that. And I was hoping what we might do today is talk about spiritual well-being, because I'm sure that's something that's near and dear to both of us. Um, Absolutely. And I, it seems like I may have read on your website, you were, did you work in youth ministry at some point? Is that right? I've done, I've done, I've had my hand in the interfair a few different um, ministries. So I started as a, as a youth working in kids ministry, then became a young adult and spent um, four years in youth ministry, then went on to hosts and deacon and uh, teaching and, and pastoral care. And all that kind of gradually prepared me towards the idea of, I really love the, the care part of it and helping people understand what it means to take care of themselves and in all the different quadrants of their life, especially their spiritual side, and to understand how God works uh, for our good in the midst of our lives, even as we go. Um, and so that kind of led me here. But yeah, spent, spent a fair, I think it was about four or five years in youth ministry and, and loved every second of it, even though it was very challenging at times. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly gave me that's that's where I started that, that was like my first I'd say official ministry job was working as a youth pastor um I worked in a church in East Texas um oh, and wow. it was it was interesting because we had a pretty good sized group of kids I think it, was, it may have been about 40 kids or so and it was all grandparents and all kids and like all the parents were kind of uh, somewhat vacant. They'd come some of the time but um it was wow. often the grandparents bringing the kids so it was, it was an interesting dynamic um, yeah. and it was, it was a 150 year old church and I was like the first staff member they'd ever hired. So it was, it was a big adjustment for all of us, but wow. in the end it worked out pretty good. It went really well. It was really a, a great experience for me and it was kind of a springboard to bringing me here where I'm at now at uh, Hinterland. But cool. yeah, so well, uh, spiritual health, um, I don't know what, how would you define it? What is it? if we're talking spiritual health, because I know there's, there's different kinds, like each week we're talking about something different, but if we're going to kind of talk about spiritual health. Yeah. I would, I would say if you had to encapsulate spiritual health, which because it leaks into every area of our life, if you're right, it is that one of those things where it can be a bit ill-defined. Um, it really relates to the core nature of our being and in and of that we are spiritual creatures and we are designed for, spiritual interaction with our God. So it deals with the idea that um, at our core, we are spiritual and therefore we need to take care of ourselves there the most in order to have any kind of fruitfulness anywhere else. Mm. Um, and that if you shift the center, which is the spiritual health, the rest of it will suffer more. Uh, even though, you know, if you look at, this, at, at where our world is at currently, it kind of says, well, your spiritual health is the, the last thing you work on. It's when everything else is safe, when everything else is secure, when you've got the money, when you've got the nice house, got the nice family, then you go, okay, what do I believe about this world? And I think it's very important to realize that it's um, the actual foundation. Uh, I spend a lot of time talking with um, Christian and non-Christian clients about the idea of what grounds them, what's their tether, what's that point 
that they hold on to as true and as real. And that's where our spiritual health comes in, understanding that, understanding who uh, is at the center of that for us. It's, it, absolutely, it's God, and we understand that, we know that, which gives us um, a leg up in the world, even though we don't tend to take advantage of it as much as we should. Because yeah. as we understand we need Jesus, we also understand all the more that we are sinful. And then <laughs> we somehow go, well, yeah, I've got grace, but also I feel wretched. And it's this <laughs> that we fall back and forth between. And it should be this, this middle point of I understand who I am in God. I understand what he's done for me. And I understand what I have access to as a Christian. And that helps inform the rest of my life. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. I, I, it's, we really do need that, like that, that foundational truth in our life that we can, you know, anchor to when everything else falls apart. And I, you know, as a pastor, I do a lot of funerals and things and weddings and, you know, involved in people's lives in different ways and and not just Christian people, but people in the community as well. And I, I kind of feel for people who, who don't have that in their life. Um, because it's, it's, it's kind of, well, it is a big empty spot. And I think it, it can really, I guess, even hurt people not to have that. Um, because I think God created us, you know, that to just to understand that truth and know that truth and, and connect with him in that way. Like he's the foundation and everything else is built on that. Like you said, and I, I, something that, that comes up all the time with my clients where we'll be working through their identity in God and finding our strength not in what we believe but what he says about us. And, and it, it comes up every time, literally every time with the climate you're walking through that kind of stuff. And they go, how do non-Christians do it? Like, what do you do with these non-Christians when they come in and they talk to you? And how, how do they find that, that sense of belonging, that sense of understanding? What is it that they're building their life? And I'm like, yeah, you've, you've keyed on to one of those wonderful things that it's so, we can be so thankful for grace is that, you know, without merit, he chose us. And it is, it is a loss out there. And, and it also always takes my non-Christian clients a lot longer. I was speaking to, to one client a couple of days ago and she was talking about how uh, and she's been exposed to Christianity and she's asked me to be a Christian because I always give them the option, do you want me to talk about Christianity in the, in the therapy? And she wants me to, but she goes, I think I've landed as an astrologer. Like I want to, I think astrology is the way forward. And then even as she was talking about it, she talked herself into a corner and she was like, oh wait, how does that give me a strong point to value myself from or understand that? And I just, you know, we, we, we left a session on some challenges and, and some things to think about. Um, most often with the Christians, it ends up being, we struggle with this idea of works. And that's so much of what we try and do when we start to think about, especially spiritual health. We bring in this idea of spiritual disciplines or um, or what is means of grace, which I think is a much healthier term in in this modern day and age. Um, And we start to try and accomplish them. And we start to see that as spiritually healthy, that we accomplish the, like I've read my Bible every day, or I've prayed five times in the last week, or I fasted for a couple of days, or you know what, I, I, I held my tongue and we start to enter into this kind of moral idea where we feel we end up being under a much greater weight anyway because we're like, oh, I've, I've, got, to, I've got to achieve these things. And we start to think I've got to achieve these things or God doesn't really approve of me. Mm. And it's an insidious thought that doesn't come from him at all. 
but we all end up thinking it. We all kind of come back to that. I need to earn this. I need to sit in this. And so we start to take ourselves off that nice middle ground where it's, I respond in love, but I was first loved. Mm. And that's, that's kind of, the, I think, the healthiest place you can ever get back to when it comes to spiritual health is that core philosophy. Yeah, when we start to rely on those works to make us right with God, when we, when we fail at those things, like, you know, and, and we're all there at times. I know I am at times. Yeah. And when I fail, I just beat myself to death. You know, it's just like, oh, I'm so terrible. And I think, I think Christians just do that. And one of the things that I've tried to, you know, in, in my own ministry and teaching is, you know, it's, it's, yeah, God's grace saves us, but it also sustains us. You know, yeah. even when we try to work at it and, and, you know, we serve God out of love and we do those things, but they're not much. Yeah. His, his love doesn't, isn't dependent on those things. Oh, so, yeah. you know, and it's so important to understand that, but it's, it's difficult to, to keep that at the center oh, yeah. of what we do too. Oh, we, 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 and that's, that's just, you know, that I, I always say the Romans seven, eight tension of yes, thank please to thank you, God, that, now, for those who are in you, there is no condemnation. But I still sit in that, oh, I've done so many things wrong. And, and just like you said, you end up beating yourself up. And then the thing you end up catching yourself for is, I'm be- no, I'm, I'm, I'm beating myself up. I shouldn't beat myself up. And you're beating yourself up and beating yourself up. You kind of start hitting this weird loop where it's like, no, no, I need to focus back on, on Christ and go, he's not beating me up. He's never going to beat me up. Like, and if he disciplines, it's to, it's to grow me, but it's never this aggressive kind of condemnation-based idea. It's always this gentle, loving encouragement towards his kingdom and towards his, his righteousness. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I know, I think in, in culture, I've, I've seen this, maybe you have as well. I know people are pretty, pretty, especially here in Australia. I mean, I'm a, obviously, as soon as I open my mouth, everybody can tell I'm a transplant. But uh, I like I like to joke around when people ask me where I got my accent. I just tell them I watch a lot of American television, and uh, but um, I think that especially here in Australia, people are very aware of physical health. You know, it's, it's there's government initiatives and things like that, and people are becoming more aware of mental health. And I think some of the stigma with that is is being lifted. Maybe some of it's a little more oh I don't know hidden, but when it comes to spiritual health, because you mentioned that you do uh, work with secular and Christian clients, where, where do you think culture society is at in that regard with spiritual health? Do you think people are more aware of that, less aware of that? Um, it varies. Um, even here on the Gold Coast, it's a very unique environment in some ways because um, there is an awareness that there should be something spiritual, but it's, I think it has its place right now and it's very hedonistic. It's very much what will give me the best pleasure or what will give me the most happiness as I think about it as my spiritual health. So I, I have, um, yeah, lots of, especially in non-Christians, I'm asking, I feel like there's something inside of me that I need to nurture. It's just that they assume that they know how to nurture it. Mm. Uh, they're very much a um, very new age kind of concept of, um, God is everywhere, or God and God is everything as well. Uh, therefore, um, there's an awareness of it, but no understanding of how to nurture it properly, and, and a lot of openness to just 
whatever might say the right thing to them at the right time. Uh, and any idea of, of um, boundary or form or function is just just repellent. Mm-hmm. Non-Christian clients, um, <laughs> they're very much open to thinking about things. And we, we talk a lot about uh, God. Like, I don't really have any clients who've gone, I don't want you to talk about being a Christian. Like, they, like you've been on my website. It's, it's, it's quite very clearly, this is what you're going to get from me. Um, Very much so. But um, they just they just take it as, as I'm some other kind of spiritual guru, somebody who's, and I, I, I say quite often that's, that's not what I am. I'm not representing myself that way. <laughs> I'm not somebody with more of a plan than anybody else. I'm just somebody who knows the one who has the plan and I've just studied his word and being found by his grace in order to learn a bit more of it than, than my neighbors and I want to pass that on. Yeah. Um, but they kind of take it in a very interesting way. There is a push within the Christian community and the people that I've seen um, towards, I think there's been different times and different places of seeing a lot of people, I actually end up seeing quite a few people who aren't in a church family. They're not, they're not regularly attending anywhere. They're not really connected to other Christians. Um, I have a new new client coming in tomorrow morning. He hasn't been to church in ten years. Um, hmm. There's this lack of understanding that because something can hurt you, like the church family, mean, we've all we've all been hurt by one another. Like that's the, the mm, thing. It's sure. you know, just for pretty broken people. That's that's kind of what we all are. Mm. Um, but they also don't see the wonderful nurturing that the church is as a part of our spiritual health. Because I, I don't think you can be fully healthy without being part of the community. Mm. Um, I mean, I'd say spiritual health is a is directly tied to communal health. Mm. I'm, I'm I'm happy to hear you say that because I've I've seen the same thing actually. I've seen a lot of people who, it, in my opinion, are actually very surprisingly Christian for not being connected with a community. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, like they, they still do all the stuff that they just don't go to church, you know, and they're outspoken about their faith and they're just like, I just don't go to church. And I think this, this past year, um, with COVID and all that stuff, we're probably going to see a little more of that kind of thing going on. Yeah. Um, that being said, I, I, I've heard a story from going, it was only when I heard, you know, random friends missing their church. So like people would be talking to people online and seeing other people on their Facebooks or something like that, saying how much they missed gathering with their church. And it also kind of woke them up to the fact that, wait, there was something sweet about it. Mm. And so a few of them start coming and going and they'll say to me like, no, I'm just, I love Jesus, but I'm so sick of the hypocritical Christian. And I kind of point out, isn't, and I just, it's a gentle um, probe and I, I usually start with a challenge of, okay, so tell me what a hypocritical Christian looks like and then they describe any Christian, anybody who is not perfect. And uh, it's just a gentle challenge of, so just how are you different from from anybody in that regard? It's like, oh, I'm not going to church. I'm not pretending that I'm perfect. I'm like, haven't you pulled yourself out because you thought you're better than them, them by not connecting with them? And it, it almost always gets this, huh, well, <laughs> hold on. 
and it's just it's not something I do, you know, the first few sessions. It's after we've established a bit of a rapport and I, and I know where that hurts from because it's almost always, it's not, okay, well, I just got lazy and stopped going to church. It's, I felt hurt by the church. I felt I wasn't cared for. I felt like I wasn't getting what I needed. And it almost then always ties back to, okay, so was that church spiritually healthy? Were they engaging in rhythms? Was the pastors and the team overworked or were they um, negligent? Like, And is that an excuse to miss out on this part of your health? Because you are still going to need this. Um, it's not on a slight tangent. It's like whenever somebody comes in to see me and they go, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, so I don't really see that many people. And then I, okay, so I understand that. I, I, I myself am an introvert. I don't recharge around others. Um, but I see people every day for my job, and then I also am busy most nights with my wife. We're very communal focused, so we're very much always trying to see people and invite people over for dinner or go and create events. And like, and I describe what's happening. Like, oh man, I just I couldn't do that. And I said, I say, well, I just make sure that I have these times to retreat and to work on my health. But then I remind like. But it doesn't excuse the idea of being a hermit. Like introversion is not hermit. It does, yeah. There's not a causal link there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a nice excuse to say, "Well, I'm an introvert, therefore I don't have to interact with people." Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely an introvert as well. Which you know, I don't. I think sometimes I think God's got a sense of humor about where He puts people. But um, yeah, I, I heard Jerry Seinfeld once. He was talking up to a group of people doing some comedy and said, I can talk to all of you. I just can't talk to one of you. And I was like, yeah, I can relate to that a little bit. I can stand up and talk to a group of people all day. I'm just not that great in crowds, but uh, no, that's anyway, that's that. But um, you know, we, we talk about spiritual health, of course, but we've got all these other areas in how do you find those areas connected i mean do you feel there's a lot of overall overlap between say physical health mental health social health um, oh, absolutely uh, it's like i said at the start like this is the foundation but they all pull it from another like and, and it, you, if you devote too much time to one av- one area of it you're inevitably going to miss out on other parts of it like um if you spend so much on your physical health to the point where you don't go out you don't um you see people have them over dinner or go over to anyone's house for dinner because you have very specific dietary things that you want to accomplish and you're always at the gym um you might meet some people at the gym but you're not going to have any time for your spiritual health or um you're not going to let yourself rest for your mental health because you're always thinking about that next workout that next game or that next um place to find a new workout or uh, a new running track or something like that uh if you're always focused on your social health making sure that you're very connected you may very much neglect your physical or spiritual or mental health like Anytime you pull more towards one than the others, um, you're going to see those kind of drop off with the one exception of that spiritual health where it's not actually a quadrant where you pull away. It's a center that should have like a triangle around it where each of those are nourished by that middle one. Um, mental health is, is another one like, oh, I don't want to overwork myself because I'm worried about my mental health. It's like, okay, what we know um, like we as Christians know, but the science is caught up. Like we are definitively social beings. Uh, also, um, for people struggling with depression or anxiety, one of the best things they can do is go for a run, is go outside, even just going for a walk once a day. Getting out in the sun or in, in the weather will have a dramatic increase in the uh, positive 
um, uptake of uh, positive hormones within their system, and it will mm. literally change mood. Um, we can look at history and see some of the busiest uh, men and women uh, throughout our faith who say, I spent most of my morning praying. Like things where we would go, I don't have the time to spend that much time with the Lord. Like I can only give him about 15 minutes, a little, little scripture here and a little bit of a prayer. And then because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so swamped and they're like starting orphanages and going and preaching to thousands and seeing eight people a, in, in an hour to, to, to minister to them. And they spent the first four hours of their day just making sure that they were right with the Lord. Not that that's a standard to hit or anything that everyone needs to find where that sits within their life, but it does point to this idea that there is, there is balance is achievable uh, and it is nourished first by understanding our place with Christ. Yeah, that's, that is so true. I mean, in the world in which we live, I mean, we, I don't know, we, there's kind of a, almost a balance there between I think I'm really busy or am I just distracted with a lot of stuff but that idea for I'd say the great majority of people in Christians the idea of you know praying for four hours before I start my day is like almost unthinkable for a lot of people it's just like there's no way I could do that that would be a huge huge challenge um, yeah, I just want to put out that I, I don't pray for hours. I wasn't mentioning myself like I am. Yeah, I am with yeah. somebody else on that. Man, I would love to have a deeper prayer life. I could read my Bible more. Like this isn't me saying, oh yeah, I've, I've got it down pat. Therefore, just look at me and do it like I do. It's like, no, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Uh, even yeah. Paul said, labor with me in prayer, indicating that Paul found prayer a labor. Mm. Yeah. Necessary, useful one, but that he still found it at times to be a hard thing to get into. Yeah, I'm the same. And people often think pastors have, have got these kinds of things figured out, but you know, we're distracted and busy and just like other people. And um, we do try to put effort into it, but there's times where, you know, you it's, it's an ebb and flow and mm. sometimes you do better than others. And that's just, <laughs> that's just life. That's reality. That's also a big part of understanding spiritual health or any, any part of your health is that life is a thing that happens and God is not like writing. God has not given us his rules or his um, gifts without understanding that we aren't perfect. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. why he died for us is, I know you're not going to get it all the way. And even it's, it says progressively through the New Testament, you're not going to get there. Seek to know me, but don't seek perfection because you won't get there. <laughs> Yeah. You're going to have ups and downs. And one of the first things I, I when it, with any new client, I sit down and I, I have these two charts drawn. And one is, and it says time on one side and progress on, on the bottom. And it has the one that we all want, which is that perfect middle line, which goes up and diagonal without ever decreasing, without ever stopping. As time goes on, we proceed and everything gets better and better. And then I, I draw, I show them the other one, which is it line goes up and then just start doing circles and it goes all over the shop. And like we don't, and yeah, it still eventually rises because that's his great work in us that we will uh, end life in a different place than where we started. But to think that we can control that or that we need to control that is that one of those first things we need to let go of if we're going to make any progress. As you said, pastors themselves, like people in our church will go, they've got it, they've got it down. And like any pastor I speak to, they're like, no, we're still, you know, just like everybody else. Yeah, we get 
like we are we are you know paid to to have this extra time and it's like but you know people fill that time with their need and so a pastor is often the most time poor person in the church yeah um, ironically need more and so like they're the ones going okay well i can't start my day without prayer and it's not about um i'm so happy to do this it's this has to be a necessity mm, yeah very true that's very true like you say it's a it's a labor sometimes it really is uh, as you work with clients is there any um or, or maybe just interactions with people or what are um what do you say some prominent issues maybe people are dealing with in culture and society, especially in light of this past year with COVID and everything that's gone on with that? Definitely control. Control mm. comes up more often than almost any other. That and identity are the two things that kind of come up more than anything else. Um, the level of the higher, like anxiety has gone through the roof in our, in our current climate because people have lost a lot of the control they thought they had over their lives. They exercise that control by going, well, I earn my wage and I pay my, my rent and I pay my mortgage and I buy my food. And we're, especially in the West, so very used to this idea that I have agency, I have supreme control over my own life, that when we lost it because of necessity, it was a surprise and people weren't ready to deal with it. Mm. And so anything that they'd been pushing back in their life by going, well, I'm going to control how I do my, use my time. I'm going to binge this, or I'm going to make sure there's always something happening. Everything just stopped. It stopped all at once without anybody really getting a choice in the matter. And that so forced true. a lot of issues out of the, out of the, out of the, the background, mm. such as, oh, do I, do I trust, um, for the Christian was, do I trust God or do I trust in my ability to navigate Christianity and life well and use God kind of as that excuse to say, well, I'm doing fine. And for the non-Christian, it was like, what am I doing in life? What is this about? Like when everything grinds to a halt, what have I been chasing? I can't go and do the pleasures that I wanted. I can't, um, especially on the Gold Coast, like go and do recreational drugs or go and um, just numb myself to the, to the um, not the thing of life, but to the idea that there's something more in life by entertaining myself with success and with um, consumption and with this idea of hedonistic joy when I can't do any of that, what's left? Mm. Yeah, it's that's very true. Gone, what's left? And it became about, um, for a lot of them going, okay, well, I've realized my relationship is nowhere near as, as, as strong as I wanted it to be. I had one couple join me at the start of the year because they were walking down the beach because um, they were the only other person, even though they, they didn't live together, but because they were married, they were separated. Um, they were technically allowed to walk on the beach with each other. And they had a massive fight, massive one. Uh, and they came in to see me a week later and they basically said that, thank you for that. Um, they said, we didn't have any other option, couldn't see anybody else. And we realized that through the business of our lives, we've been able to avoid dealing with the fact that we did still want to be together, but we didn't, neither of us wanted to do the work. Mm -hmm. And so um, they've been coming quite consistently and we've made some progress. Although when things started to open up again, especially with his job, because uh, he works within the film industry, was able to start working again, they, they dropped off again. And we've had some chats since and they're going to come in more regularly in the new year. 
of just the fact that they realized, oh, wait, we started distracting ourselves again with our busyness. Mm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. The way that, um, that a lot of the things that have come out were, were kind of always there. They've just, mm. all the pressures brought it to the surface. And I, I know even in my, my personal life, not even in, but in my personal life, there's things that I've noticed that have come to the surface and that have kind of been um, hammered out of me, I suppose, through yeah. this. And, um, there, there's still things I'm working on. But I, I, and I really think that on the other side of this, I really, personal feelings about it, I think we're going to be better off. I think a lot of people are going to be better off. I feel like the church I pastor is going to be better off for it once we get there. Getting there has been yeah. a big challenge, though. Oh, we, I, I had, um, we had our church leaders kind of um, thank you and Christmas party for all of our small group leaders last night. And we were talking about just how thankful we've been to God for a year that we weren't expecting and some of the blessings of community that have really developed. People who, um, and yeah, there's been people who have fallen, fallen off, but there's also been people who have joined us. Um, mm-hmm. People who have come to know the Lord through this, this time and people who have been baptized um, just towards the end of the year when things were starting to really, by family members and stuff like that, but just people having this new perspective and having the time to reset and having the time to go, hey, I do actually need to take care of myself has Mm -hmm. been this strange blessing that has come from something, I don't think any of us would ever have forethought, had the foresight to go, you know what we, well, you know what will really help some of us? Uh, is just a complete another lack of, of freedom that comes from trying to survive a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Just everything wiped off the table. Yeah. It is, yeah, it's been, a, um, I mean, and, and we're going to, you know, when we come back in February, we're going to start rebuilding. And, you know, wherever we're at, whatever's going on at the time, we're just going to rebuild from there. And sometimes one of the biggest challenges for a church or I suppose for any business is, or, you know, not the word business, but any, any organization when you want to make some really big changes like that is getting the things out of the way that are in the way of that happening. Yeah. And that's, that's been done for us. It really yeah. has. Um, so yeah, like I'm really looking forward to what's coming in the future. Mm. I'm pretty optimistic about it. We, we used to think that our members, our, our people would never like, we, cause we, we, we had, we, we were, to engage with the really strict like rules for regathering and like having registering and all that kind of stuff and it was a lot of work let me tell you mm. oh, still man. a lot of work um, but one of the one of the most enjoyable things we, we had a real kind of do our people really connect and worship well like vocally together and there was some some of our some of our people were really great and others weren't but I tell you the first week we came back and we were all able to sing together I, I've never heard such joy in the voices of every person. And it was, mm. it was, a, it was a, a wonderful sound. It just gave me this picture of, of what it might be one day when we're all together with the, with the Lord and new heavens, new earth, and just praising his name and just hearing every voice just joyfully sing out. It was, it was that kind of picture of just we, 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 we realized what we lost by not being able to even hear each other worship. And so when mm. we came back, everybody wanted to participate in the sacrament of worship. Yeah, that was, yeah, that, it's really cool what you're saying there. I heard a lot of similar feedback. I remember that those first few Sundays back and just people singing. Very, very similar experience here as well. 
Um, and it, it's interesting now because we have gone into a place where, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of churches like this where we're, we're ministering in person and we're meeting in person, but now we've also still got, um, and, and picked up some and had people move to where we've got people who are regularly online. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I'm just like, I, you know, and it, it's the, I think the most common phrase I've used this year is we've never done this before. And, um, in ministering in that way, I'm, how do you reckon that that, online versus in person in, in person is going to play into um, people's spiritual well-being and health there's 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 two sides of that because um, for some like some people are immunocompromised and being able to meet and we, we have a couple in our church that probably won't be meeting until um, they're pretty sure this is mostly done but one of them is is quite like she, she sees somebody have a have a cough in church and it's Gets her husband to wheel her out because she's just mm, yeah. yeah. So um, for them, it's like this is what's helping keep keep their communal sense alive. And so for some people who are, who are needing it, they're so appreciative. And mm. then you've got the other side where you can let anxiety of meeting, anxiety of what might not happen, that loss of control, start to really play into how you run your life. Um, and if and that, that means you're not going to be the person who's connecting more to people online. You're the person because it's the best you can do. It's the least you can do. Mm. And anytime you go to the lowest common denominator, you're going, your journey's going to suffer because you're not treating your health, uh, that spiritual health, as important. It's, it's just like um, when that person's first um, dietary uh, response when they feel like they need to get their diet into a better place is... Um, like a, a pill or a surgery or some kind, like when it's their first response, it's, it's been, they've not actually got the effort ready in their head. They're not actually going to be able to succeed because they're relying on external sources to be able to build them up, to mm -hmm. be able to help them achieve their goal. And, they're saying, and that can be the same thing when it comes to online church, when that's your only expression, when that's what you do because you are not willing to put the effort into that next place. Mm -hmm. That's a really dangerous place to be, but that's the same with any area of our health. Yeah, um, it, it and is. so you've got, you've got both sides where it's wonderful and it's this treasure for someone who can't come, and for someone who can't meet, or people out in the mines or something like that. And then the other side where it's really dangerous. Yes, that's so true. And I, I, I had people suggesting it to me for for a long time, and then COVID hit. And we've got an awesome team, man. Our our communications team. I was online the the first Sunday. I mean, yeah, no cool. hitch at all. It was it was so cool the way they did all that work and made it happen. And so I was I was you know forced into that. Um, but in I I've still got mixed feelings about it. But I've seen people you know come to know Jesus online, and yeah, we've got people overseas who tune in and things like that. You know, um, some family members and and people who may not attend church, but they might pick it up. So like you say, there's the positive side of it. There's also the negative side of it where, um, well, and like for me, when I'd come in, when we were meeting in person and I can wander in on Sunday morning and nobody's around and I take my time and, you know, it's just, I'm like, Hey, this is kind of nice, but, um, yeah, you miss the in person as well for sure. Yeah. Oh, I think our pastor definitely, um, 
the first few weeks of being online, his his hand gestures weren't normal. So we've we've gotten a couple of screen grabs and had a bit, some of the some of the team have had a bit of fun with him with that, of him just adjusting to being no one in the room. So he's just not sure how much expression to give with his hand because <laughs> there's no one to read from, and then. Um, to what it is now where we still do a live stream from one of our services and he's he's not being weird anymore. <laughs> <Get him off. laughs> but it's just, yeah. he was one of those parts of like, no, I don't want to ever do a live stream. I think I think I don't want to have a part of that. And he's, seen, he's now seeing the benefits. It was just like what you said, people coming to know the Lord or because we've got a global family. That's what the church is. And some people's churches don't have the resources to go online mm. or the team that may know how may have the know-how. And so we've got all their, their, everyone's just in such a lockdown that they're literally not allowed to. So we've had um, people who have been part of our church or been connected to people who are part of our church for years who are somewhere overseas and they can't meet. So they've been joining us online. Yeah. Um, because it's what they can do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, yeah, it comes back to that. And each person just really needs to check um, what it is that's motivating them towards it. And if there's a high part of it that's an impractical anxiety or fear, um, it's really a time to go and, 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 and seek the Lord and seek to understand our motivations and, and use the time that has been afforded to all of us to really reflect and go, is this the way that I want to live my life? Mm. Is this the thing that I want that slide? what is the most important part of my health and how do I use that to leverage the rest of it? Yeah. And I, I would say spiritual health is my goal. Mm. Yeah. We kind of, there's some, definitely some reflection involved in that. Isn't there some serious consideration of, of my motivation for doing what I'm doing? Yeah. It's important to think about for sure. And so um, it's a good time even to do it like in, in Christmas and the new year, like we've, we've all been inside for so long, like your Netflix, um, watch his watch list has got to have been run out by now. Like they've not been able to generate enough content. So <laughs> you've got to be able to have the time now to take an hour or two and sit down and like with a journal or with a piece of paper or just staring into the, into the scenery, just going, okay, what is, what is my life currently looking like? And where is the areas where I need to kind of, kind of lift it up or drop it down or what, what needs shifting, what needs holding on to like, it's a beautiful thing. As mm. long as we can get out anxiety that we're not in control of, of, of every outcome, but we do have agency. We do have yeah. the ability to correct ourselves. Yeah. That's, what, that's what life's about. I've, I've found you, you kind of touched on something there that I've, I've kind of learned through all of this. It's been probably one of the best things for me is in regards to spiritual practice. And that is just meditation taking the time, no phone, no, uh, you know, maybe a notepad and a Bible handy, but just sitting and thinking on the things of God and, you know, hearing the wind in the trees and things like that, just being present in the moment and specifically taking time to do that. And that's been great for me. Um, and I know, I know it's difficult for people. Um, again, you know, oh, busy distractions or busy, whichever one it is. I don't know, but, um, yeah, that's definitely been a big deal for me personally. Um, is that something you think we can put into our lives at this current point in time? 
is the idea of sitting and waiting and that that sometimes we get we hear the word med- uh, meditation we think we need to have this focus or this point or mm-hmm. or it's it's a new age idea and so we want to stay mm-hmm. away from it. No, meditation just means to to sit and to wait and to dwell um and it's not something that we're good at so be prepared to, to fail a little bit <laughs> like <laughs> yeah if you end up sitting there for an hour and you've just ended up thinking about all the things that you need to do, it's like, cool, go write them down, come back tomorrow, try again. Like, yeah. give you permission to not get it right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what meditation is meant to be directing you towards anyway, clearing through the things. Yeah, that's, that's so important. I think people have such a difficult time just giving themselves permission sometimes to, you know, okay, well, that didn't go as well as I might have hoped. But that's okay. It's not that big a deal. Mm. And I can let it go and try again. Um, same thing happens with prayer. You know, sometimes when you pray, your mind wanders. And yeah, well, I'll just, you know, do do better next time. Get back, yeah. <laughs> and uh, not kill myself over it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Often the hardest part. <laughs> yeah. It's something I, I thought we might touch on a little bit today and maybe not maybe not dive into it too much. Um, one of the things we've had, uh, our building here is it's obviously very, you know, a very traditional looking church building. Yeah. And one thing I found in ministry over the years is sometimes we are a soft landing for someone who's coming out of a very um, maybe – cult background or spiritually abusive background. And I thought maybe we might touch on spiritual abuse a little bit. Um, I, have you had any experience with that? Is that something you've dealt with plenty, much? Or? Plenty. Mm. Uh, recently, a pastor of quite a large church said to his, uh, at, the, at the Gold Coast launch of their church, uh, mentioned a story of which a, of a pastor I was under where he had some of his interns um, go out at 2 a.m. to wash his jet ski um, just because that was, you know, him abusing his spiritual authority over them. Wow. And uh, I, I didn't, that wasn't me in that story, but I, I, I served under that pastor. I was an intern of that church and I've, I've been to some churches in the past and had a lot of things. And um, I'm actually really thankful for the experiences I've had because it's given me the authority to be able to say to people, yeah, I understand that you've been wounded. In mm-hmm. fact, I, I can share in the understanding of what it means to be badly wounded by, um, by others when it comes to our spiritual self. Um, but that doesn't mean that we get to stop because it's like stopping eating because we get uh, a stomach bug. Yeah, the stomach bug was awful. It may have lasted weeks and weeks. It may have hospitalized you, but you still need to eat. Mm. So maybe we should find a way to make sure the restaurant's cooking the food well. And the same thing kind of applies to spiritual abuse. You need to be able to talk about it. You need to be able to process what went wrong and why it went wrong. And a lot of that's going to come down to humanity. Either we were broken in a particular way that that person didn't realize, or that person was broken in a particular way that uh, made it that they weren't in a good place in leadership. Uh, And somebody didn't catch the thing that they were. Sometimes, the best of pastors, the best of leaders, the best of friends, the best of partners can cause deep wounding to us mm. and it can feel like abuse. But it's one of the reasons why I would say that anytime anyone has been through something like that, 
the absolute best thing you can do, and this is a little bit of a self-plug here, um, is go and see somebody about it. Um, the number of people that have just thrown off weight in my, in my, in my counseling room because they've realized and they've forgiven and they've uh, accepted reality and understood what happened without permitting um, that person to, without saying, yep, you know what, that everything's all good, but rather understanding in Christ how to process the fact that these kind of things happen in life, that we cannot escape the opportunity for spiritual abuse because we aren't perfect. Like you, you literally need Jesus physically here in front of every one of us to escape the idea of there being wounding or abuse within the church or within the family or within uh, even within ourselves. The number of people who abuse themselves spiritually by the heavy weight that they place upon themselves by not accepting like they've gone, yes, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is, is Lord and Savior, but I cannot believe he loves me. And I cannot believe yeah. he's accepted me. That's a self, that's self-abuse. Mm-hmm. And that needs walking through just as much as anybody else's impact on our lives. Yeah, there's, there's sometimes there's, I think maybe people struggle a little bit to define that line between, you know, healthy morality and healthy religious practice and obedience and abuse because yeah. it can't, really any one of those things can, can spin off into that, I suppose. Couldn't they? Absolutely. And, and there's a lot of teaching out there at the moment that um, I personally very much don't agree with like um, partially just because Reality is, as I've said before, men and women are going to be men and women. We're going to be broken. So if you come at it with an understanding that this person, this pastor, needs to be better than a, than a man, better than better than the person, this leader needs to be lead me better than I could lead myself. And yeah, there's a certain level of accountability, but to assume that they're somehow a super person, or if they're telling people they're some kind of super person, these are great signs to realize that there's. On one one side or another, there's a misconstruing of what this life is meant to look like. Um, you weirdly enough, literally exhibiting the fact that this life isn't perfect because they've got this wrong belief about how well people are going to be able to do with life. Um, which is again a lot of what the process is when you talk someone through spiritual abuse. It's helping break down unhealthy. Uh, views of what it means to obey and what it means to submit and what it means to have authority over. I, I've got, I've actually got a couple of pastors that I that I'm walking through um, at, from a from a distance. We're doing online um, through uh, connected movements, connected friends of some things that they walked through with um, a movement they were a part of that became quite evidentially like quite abusive, quite oppressive, quite aggressive, quite legalistic. And they were they're having to walk through the fact that they were that they were oppressed and they were oppressors. So they yeah, pushed well. people to places that they didn't want to be, whilst being pushed in those corners themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, which just goes to show you that again, it's at every level at every place people can can experience this kind of stuff. Um, but the first thing we usually try and do is clear the lines between man and God, because often that's blurred. The spiritual abuse that I've, I've received makes me think of God as a spiritual abuser. Mm. And that's just not his heart. And if I can no. plug 
uh, a particular book was probably the best book I've read mm-hmm. in the last um, two decades. Uh, it's a book by a man called Dane Ortland. It's called Gentle and Lowly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, it's referencing the way that Jesus refers to his own heart. And it goes and scripturally looks at the way that Jesus has described himself. And, mm. and it says, my heart is gentle, and I, for I am gentle and lowly. And just helps the idea of, and it's a great for anyone who's been under this place of spiritual abuse or struggling to understand how God looks at them, to figure out mm-hmm. their identity. Um, I've read it twice already uh, this year. Uh, cried multiple times, both both read-throughs. Wow. It's one of those yeah. where I, whether I, it's a friend or a church member or uh, a client will read it, they'll send me messages as they're reading through, the, especially the initial chapters going, this is so amazing. This is such beautiful language. And this is just so true of our God. And it's doing a great job of restoring people who have been in those really hard places. Mm, it helps yeah. reconnect into churches. It helps them look for what they're looking for. Um, so especially if, if you're a church that's got a lot of people who are going, I've, I've felt the strength of abuse and I've realized that I have missed things about my God and I've accepted things about myself because of what people have said. And they're in that place where I don't know what church looks like anymore. The first thing they need to do is look at what my God looks like. Yeah. Sounds like a really good book. I'll have to, I don't think I've read that one. I'll have to get it and read it. Honestly, I couldn't, like if there's any book I could ever plug this year, it would be that book. Yeah. I'll definitely check it out. It'd be a good one. Yeah. That's, um, and one other thing that I think it might be fun to talk about is social media. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, I don't know, man. I, I tell you, we, again, we've got a great crew of people here and they take care of social media. Uh, personally, I've kind of taken on, uh, I, you know, I've got Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, but I've just kind of taken on a role with it personally. I use it to disseminate information. Um, I don't really interact on it. Um, I, how do you think that's playing into people's lives? I mean, I know it is. Um, and it's not a sideline thing anymore. I mean, it's mainstream. It's part of who we are and what we do. So I'm kind of like you. I use social media. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it does have some amazing connective power. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can definitely use it for our good. But um, I often recommend to anyone struggling with anxiety or struggling um, to focus or anything like that to just cut it out of their lives for a while. To reduce it to the barest minimum so that they're still... Um, communicating, say, for instance, they use Facebook Messenger or something like that, or they've got a Facebook group where they talk with their friends, like, don't, don't get rid of that. Like, that may, that's, that's going to the level where, you want to, where you're removing an effective part of your communication strategy. But if you're fearing the, feeling the weight of Instagram, if you're feeling like, oh, but I can't cut it out because I might miss out on something, that's a definite sign you do need to cut it out. Um, social, even um, throughout... COVID, it's been so ironic that on, on Netflix, there's a wonderful documentary called The Social Dilemma. Yeah, I've seen that. It is good. Yeah. I would recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a, a wake-up call to understand. Um, I, I also used to work at Apple um, for many years. Oh, you did? Okay. I've been telco uh, for quite a while when I was doing my studying, when I was doing some other stuff, when I was younger, when I needed a, a good, solid income while I was doing other volunteer-based stuff. Um. And so I've seen the development over my lifetime and of how social media affects communication. And I actually talk about this a lot because uh, of an age where I remember the first time LOL was used on MSN Messenger. 
I remember the development of that language and stuff like that. I was a, I was a young teenager when this stuff happened, and it's something that I've talked through a lot of people with, within my, my own age bracket um, to explain to them that there is something that very definitely happens when you become a teenager. You are meant to learn and begin, and your community, the part of your brain that understands communication, it, it comes alive in a way that it hasn't been when it was a child. And what you're meant to learn then is how to interact with your wider community beyond your parents how, and your siblings. Like, how do you understand social interaction with others? And uh, it's the reason why, like, having having instant messaging and Facebook and, and MySpace and then now TikTok and Instagram and all these new developments, Snapchat and all these things that keep falling in our place and all these ways of communicating without communicating face-to-face, -face, without communicating directly, without communicating with the risk of getting it wrong because we can curate ourselves yep. and without the risk of being vulnerable, it is definitively harming us. Okay. Like there's no middle ground on it. Um, if you rely on it as a form of communication, you will you will see your communicative ability decrease. Um, all you need to do is ask anybody under the age of like 35 to call them, to make a phone call to their doctor to try and arrange a, or to call their mechanic. Mm. You'll see the sweat form on their face. <laughs> like a, <gasps> I have to speak to someone that I don't know and create a, create a connection and understand them. What do I do? What do I say? Because they don't know. It's not, it's not fake fear. They generally don't know how to create that level of communication. Mm. That's really so interesting. It, I would say it's something that we always need to be aware of. You can't cut it out because it's here and you'll become yeah. just as... Um, You'll be as much as as at as much of a disability without it as you would only on it. Mm -hmm. um, but it definitely shouldn't be something that ruins your life. And if you're on social media four hours, two hours more even a day, um, I'd say that that's something that's a that's a real signpost that you probably need to start to try and control that addiction, control that, um, and reduce that level of social interaction unless unless you're like a student living overseas and you don't know anyone back home like there are there are caveats too to yeah this. there's there's always those kinds of things yeah for sure um but it's definitely something to watch out for and it is uh definitely not conducive to a to a great spiritual life mm. um avoid on the like i i i i definitely was a was a keyboard warrior in my youth <laughs> when, when the rules are still being developed before the word, before the idea of an internet trolling existed, just arguing with people online without grace, without love, because um, basic text doesn't really allow for that. Mm. Not, not in short comments and sentences. Um, so if I can say anything, yes, yeah, be very careful with social media. Mm. It, is, yeah. it is a very dangerous tool that can be helpful. Mm, it's it's there is something about that anonymity of i you can just say i don't know people can say terrible things and it doesn't really there's no real accountability for it and it can yeah when people say things that are awful it makes people feel bad and you know to them it may just be a passing comment but to the persons that's reading it it's like oh i feel terrible but yeah i don't know it, it's it's a thing that i don't know i guess culturally we're we're learning to navigate and, absolutely uh, hoping for the best <laughs> it, 
it's one of those things where we, as we learn more and more, like there's a whole thing, and I don't recommend people go too far into looking at this particular thing, but something called uh, incels, which means involuntarily celibate, are almost entirely young men who um, have retreated from the world and they talk online to each other and they play games and they just have, and they, they may have jobs, they may even go to the gym, but they have completely lost all normal social ability to interact. Uh, very hateful of community, very hateful of women, um, and are just, and anyone who's ever done an interview with them, they are very strange people um, doing very strange things. Um, and they're kind of one of those proofs that when you miss out on the key social interactions that you need, such as from a wonderful church or from even from a very broken church that just is, is in the midst of healing, like mm. you are better off as part of the community in reality than you ever are in being a part of it as a satellite or completely out of it. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot to digest and think about because yeah, it just, there are a lot of folks out there who are you just more and more so, and probably more so that way because of the past year and everything we've been through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm, Unfortunately, yeah. Um, I, 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 people have said, oh, it's a, it's a great time to be in a counseling business. I'm like, well, I mean, if you mean, yeah, there's work to be had. Yes. If you mean, yeah, it's great. No, not so much. Like, it's, it's weird. I kind of eventually want to work myself out of a job. Like, I don't mm. love the fact that people have issues to, to have to come up and work through. But I do love that some of them are coming to work through. Them. Yeah, that's an, it's a, a dilemma, isn't it? You want to help people, but you'd also like people to be healthy and well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if someone were say, okay, well, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not feeling that great spiritually or I'm wondering how I'm doing spiritually or you might even, I don't know, have an, kind of an assessment you do in counseling. If someone wanted to take their spiritual temperature, so to speak, what, what are some things they might do in that regard? I'd say one of the easiest ones, the absolute easiest ones, is you break your life down into the 168 hours that exist in a week. And mm-hmm. this is one I, I often ask clients, and I say, how would you spend your time? Like, literally give me a seven-day roster of how you spend your time. And I, I don't ask them to do it in that hour that we usually talk. And I say, go home, we'll talk about it next week. And they almost never actually fully do it, but it does do what it's designed to do, which is to make them look at their life and go, hmm, there are some gaps where I'm not being productive or unproductive. I'm just, or I'm not resting. I'm just existing. Mm-hmm. That's probably the first point to recognize that there's something, something missing, something off, something that needs adjusting. Mm. Yeah, like, for sure. Not, not how often have I read my Bible or how often have, have I prayed. It's what is, what am I doing with my week? Because that will inevitably lead to even, even the thought of, I don't like thinking about this. <laughs> Another great <laughs> sign. If you really don't like thinking about it, there's probably something missing. Yeah, I, I know as a pastor, um, well, and I'm, I'm sure this is true for people who are are Christian and maybe very, uh, what's the word, avid maybe, um, mm. and you you work and you do and you're in the church building all day and, you know, you're volunteering and doing different things and, you know, am, am I being spiritual or am I just being busy? Um, mm. I think it's easy, easy to get those mixed up. Absolutely. Because like when you start thinking, well, the work needs to get done, and that's mm. why I'm doing it. Another great sign. Mm. Like, because 
Jesus is quite clear. He's like, I will build my church. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and I, I constantly pray anytime I'm working with people. I'm like, God, you build your church. You establish your people. I am just walking in the good works that you have prepared for me. Because it means he's doing it. He's the head of the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we got to keep falling back into him, don't we, and relying on him and all of that stuff, for sure. And when we start to analyze and we're thinking, well, you know, maybe I'm not doing that great spiritually. What are what are some things that we can do to help improve our spiritual health and well being? Uh, ba- basic ones are um, find yourself a nice Bible reading program or something, something simple, not not too heavy. And mm-hmm. don't hold on yourself too tightly to it. Just start actually getting into your work. Um, find somebody to be accountable to, to mm-hmm. share with. That's that community being what it should be, that wonderful encouragement onwards. And then if you're really feeling like um, you need more of a push, more direction, if you're starting to go, okay, I, I just don't know what the next step is, seek wise counsel. Mm-hmm. Like, look at the people around you in your life, and if you can see somebody who seems like, you know what, they're, they're, they're real, like their life is clearly got the rhythms of a real person. Like, they have ups, they have downs, they don't go around going, oh, I've read my Bible uh, with great revelation every day for the last 15 years. Like, you know, you kind of want to stick it away from the, from the supremely self-righteous, but you don't want to find somebody who has the scent, has that savor, that look of somebody who is doing things well, and then see if you can just sit down with them and, 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 and share and be vulnerable and go, I'm really not doing this that well. Can you give me some tips? Can you walk through this with me? Can you help me diagnose? And then, again, if you don't have somebody like that, find a pastor, find a local church. And uh, if you feel like it's a really systemic problem, if you feel like you've gone through that link, that loop over and over again, there's just something missing, Bring in a counselor. Find a mm. good godly counselor. Ask your pastor. Ask um, ask if any friends have seen anybody, and get somebody who's going to be able to, um, for your betterment, just help figure out what's blocking you from from that next part of your life. Yeah, yeah. That's um, and there's there's a lot of tools we can use. I know we're kind of on the social media and devices and things like that. But it, well, here at our church, we're pretty pretty welcome with devices. I mean, we've even got a uh, an app that like matches whatever scriptures on the screen it'll pop it up on your phone and things like that and um like the version app i mean you, you can read read programs bible reading programs i do a lot of that with people uh dwell dwells another wonderful app oh, that's yeah. part of um plug this year like um even my wife she was struggling to go through some of the old testament and she's gone through the bible twice on dwell so far nice and so she just literally is just getting ready in the morning uh, she, she, she now does her own study as well because she's feeling enlivened. It's, it's, it's led to uh, listening to podcasts and, and using utilizing extra things, but just hearing the Bible while you get ready for the day. Mm. And, and podcasts are so great, and there's so many good ones out there too. You can just pop that in while you're you know, doing other things. You can use that instead of you know, a distraction, instead of being yeah. on social media yeah, or whatever. Yeah, noise in your life. You, if you can't get by, by with, with what's going on in your head, at least make the noise something positive. Mm, for sure. Yeah, that's such a, a great idea. Very helpful, no doubt. Well, I, 
like I said, I looked at your website the other night. You're openly Christian. You know, it's it's very clear. And um, if you come across a person, and maybe this has happened in your practice, who's not a Christian, but they're aware of a need for spiritual health, how do you work with someone like that? That goes back down to that, okay, so what do you believe life is about? Like helping them figure out the big questions. Um and I've had, I've had some come to faith that way, but I, I, I never really pushed the journey. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not in my hands, and especially as a counselor, I'm not trying to make it they feel like I'm preaching them or anything like that. I really uh, believe that part of part of what I, I as a counselor have to do is be there for them and be be in their corner. Um, but it, it is just helping them ask the questions of, okay, so what is life about? What is that grounding? What is that tether? What is that under underlying? Um, thing that I'm seeking or that I believe life is about and then finding congruency with the rest of that because that's where you, that's where your spiritual health is going to come from even if you're not a Christian is taking advantage of those wonderful common graces that God has done such as the beautiful common grace that is love a lot of people come back to you well I want I want to I want to love so I want to be loved in my life and then it comes okay well you hold that to such a high standard love well and what does that mean well you've got to start with finding a core that says what does that look like? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's, I know sometimes, um, and I'm guilty of doing this, of when I speak to someone who's maybe um, spiritually interested, we'll say, I can, I can, I can tend to rush things a bit yeah. and, and want to get right to the, the gospel presentation, which is obviously important, oh, but sure. it can, it can sometimes spook people a little bit when, uh, and like you say, I think it's helpful if you're, if you're there for them, you know, if, you know, if you love them and like we're supposed to do as believers. And I think if you can do that and trust God, it's going to end up in a good place. Yeah. And so much when we get to that gospel presentation, it's, it's kind of two two parts in our own hearts. It's just absolute love to be like, let me let me share this wonderful thing. Like, mm. you know what you were seeking? I've been there. I, I I felt those emotions. I want to show you the answer. And then there's that other part, like, I may not ever get another chance. I've got to control the situation. <laughs> and you've got to kind of listen to both and go. Also go. Okay, well, hold on. That one, it's not in my hands anyway. Like, God, God will get them. <laughs> like. His, his truth stands for itself, therefore I don't have to give them everything right now. And then the other side it says, okay, well, if I'm so excited, it means I also need to listen. Because yeah. I remember what helped me probably wasn't someone yelling at me about the gospel presentation <laughs> and getting that done quickly, even if sometimes it, sometimes it does. Like God, God does what he does with us, but it's always interesting with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I like what you say about control. I know as, as a pastor, I've... I've I've seen um, a lot of different things with a lot of different people. And one of the, the struggles that causes a lot of conflict is when one person tries to control what another one does. And that leads to, yeah, that leads to a lot of conflict and really unnecessary conflict. You know, when we can just kind of relax and let God be in control instead of yeah. me being in control, it's, 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 it's uh, healthy for everybody. Absolutely. Um, even with, non, with non-Christians, I point out to help point out that Christians aren't doing this because we need we need control. Is I always point back to Job, where he has this very long complaint, so many, such a long, 
long complaint from Joe. He enunciated himself very well. And he's out, out, his friends have given answers and they're not right. And Elihu steps in and goes, but God is so great. And then surely he has a plan. And then God answers Job by telling Job that he's not qualified for the answer. <laughs> it's big, like, okay, if you want the answer, who are you? Have you created this? Have you done this? Have you done that? And it's, it's one that's kind of a, that, that nice, re- like God, God answers him by doing the most loving thing he could do by giving Job a reality check of, you don't want to actually sit up here, like like sitting up here in the in the in the total control is something that only someone who's very qualified should be. Mm. And not to any of you, but none of you are qualified. Like none of yeah. us are qualified to be in that level of control. Yeah. As soon as we realize that, we go, oh wait, yeah, so that's probably a good idea that I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Oh well. Cool, man. I, well, I really appreciate you doing this today, Reese. It's uh, oh, it's been good, great. man. Thanks for the conversation. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure you're busy and got things to do. I have and, to get uh, off to, to get to something, so I, I, I will take this opportunity to uh, jump down. <laughs> yeah, um, and you do say that you are taking on clients if if somebody is interested. And how can people get in contact with you? And there's a wonderful, if you, if you jump on that website, there's a wonderful contact, uh, contact me form. It's very simple. Just give me your name, your email, or your phone number, and uh, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Okay. Yep. And that's uh, Solid Hope BC. Counseling. Yep. So SolidHopeBC.com. Solid okay. Yep. SolidHopeBC.com. Awesome. Do you, do you have a blog or anything like that? I have. It's not, it's not the most... Uh, concrete and solid one. I tend to get, I tend to want to write more when I'm at my busiest. So it's one mm. of those things I'm trying to do in the Christmas break is, is get that a little bit better. I, I do have something that I'm working on coming up in the new year, which is uh, I will be running uh, probably in Feb an anti-porn seminar, just helping mm. people want to and tackle that in their life, understanding what um, addiction looks like and how that plays into it, how our mental side and our physical side play into what is a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. So there'll be some stuff on the website soon about that because um, there's something quite passionate about seeing people gain freedom from so that they mm. can regain a sense of agency in that part of their lives. Yeah, cool. No, that'd be great. Yes, and that's, that'll be happening in February? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, uh, definitely uh, people heard about it and hopefully some people look into that. So that's oh, great. It'll, it'll, it'll be on, on the live. Yeah, it should be be good I especially think on the Gold Coast it's a very particular kind of climate and it's something that we need to as Christians really start to tackle because uh, it's it's in our face and we need to we need to create better solutions mm, yeah so much yeah that's that we could have a whole hour talk about that really good. couldn't we yeah, absolutely good. <laughs> <laughs> well I tell you what man if we get a bunch of followers we'll do it and yeah, uh, sure. promote it awesome. uh, cool all right. Well, man, I again, I really appreciate it. We'll have to get together and have a coffee sometime. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. We'll have a good chat. <laughs> awesome. God bless well, you, brother. Thanks, Reese. Really appreciate it. And uh, we will, yeah, catch up again soon. Cool. I'm going to bounce All out. Right. Thanks, man. Bye. Thanks so much for listening in today. You can find out more at hinderlandbaptist.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. A special thanks goes out to our team of volunteers who makes this podcast possible. I hope you found it helpful, and I will be praying for your health and well-being.
Have a great day.